0: Future focus.
1: You oh, are now started. listening
0: yes, to future focus. Yes, sir. It's your boy Crown One. It's your boy Ukali White. It's your boy Don't Blink. Yes, sir. And we are the three men in arms. Uh here to edify you, keeping you focused in a world of chaos, keeping you future focused in a world of chaos. And today, this is episode 25. It's been 25 episodes, fellas. 25. five. Wow. I'll be Time 25. I'm, I'll be 26 this summer. So come on now. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We've reached a quarter and to 100. Um, to our live viewers, thank you for joining us today. Those that you weren't able to join us live, uh, thank you for tuning in on this Friday. Today It is a Wednesday. Actually, the uh, technical day, a lot of people say um, when Christ uh, was crucified, but well, we'll get into that later. Today we have something very special, uh, a very powerful, a very much needed uh, illustration and body of work um, that has taken place. Uh, by somebody I love uh, immensely. Her name is Selena White, and White. she is with us today Yay. on the Future Focus podcast. And we yes, are talking about hey, her guys. new new book, mm. Burdens We Bear. Wow. Yeah. Burdens We Bear. Everybody, That's welcome exciting. Selena White. We're so glad to
1: have Selena with us today. Well, I'm yeah. glad you um, guys for having me. Of course, uh, you're not just an author. But you're my wife.
2: A <laughs> so Little extra smile. Over definitely here. excited mm-hmm. to
1: <laughs> to have you on the Future Focus podcast. Glad to be here with my guys, Reg. Good to see you. Good to see look you at, uh, too. Crown yeah. One over there. Good to be seeing Lincoln Crown One. Man, <laughs> just look, just just glad to be a part of this uh, this incredible movement.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm blessed to be here. I've known Reggie probably longer than I've known. Anybody else here? We grew up in church together, (laughs) Sunday school, the whole nine yards, youth choir, whatever they could put us in. Yes. Mm -hmm. We were in. We were there. Yes. We've paid our dues. Yes, we have. Yes, (laughs) we have.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, So, how, first, first, I think the first question that everybody wants to know how did you first uh, get involved in writing?
2: Well, that would be very interesting. Growing up in the 70s, um, we were blessed coming out of the Civil Rights Movement and into the Black Power Movement. There was a move in education, the heart of educating black kids. So the school system, the time period that I grew up in, our teachers were particularly interested in what I've termed and what we've heard termed representation matters. So all across the educational uh, diaspora, you saw the heroes of our culture presented to us as kids. And so I brought something today. This isn't my book, but this is Vintage Hughes, Langston Hughes. And most people that know me know that he's my favorite poet of all time, but he's my favorite poet probably because he's the first one I was introduced to in elementary school. Mm. And I fell in love with his work. And I believe that shortly thereafter, my first writing assignment in the fourth grade went on to um, let me to be selected for a publishing opportunity at 12 years old. And that started my Mm. journey for writing, I guess
0: awesome 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 and that's interesting uh being blessed to have that opportunity so young um and so uh burdens we bear uh poems and writings about my experiences as a woman of color um it's a it's a lot to try to cover yeah (laughs) Yeah. in 30 minutes but we're going to try our best um 153 pages um And to my understanding, that's only a fraction of what, not even a fraction, Mm -hmm. probably a a 164th.
2: Probably. Uh, Oh, wow,
0: that's pretty, okay. (laughs) Of what you uh, currently have. Mm -hmm. Um, What was your process in putting so much work, years of extensive work, because to my understanding, this is your first published work, correct? Yes. Okay, so uh, from 12 years old to your current age, that, that long, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you never stopped writing. No. Okay. So w- how did you process choosing what to put into the book and um, how to, to put that together? Not only put it as, you know, a body of work that just would to others, you know, if you didn't think it, uh, think it out thoroughly, would be uh, cohesive. <laughs> how, did, how, how was that process making the, the book cohesive in a, in a body of work?
2: it was horrible it was (laughs) grueling and difficult and um it was painful it was all the negative adjectives you could come up with um most people that are creative whether it's in you know literary form music arts that process is very intense and so for me i've been writing all my life um not pursuing publishing um for other reasons that we'll get into in another podcast, but all those self-doubts and fear of failure and all that. Um, so the process for this started with a mountain about this high of work and the struggle was condensing it. And my original thought for this book was going to be um, kind of an expose with samples of poetry throughout. Um, it ended up being a book of poetry with samples of other writings throughout. Mm. So it completely flipped. Um, but it literally was looking at it and in my mind, being able to say, you know, what's the most important thing. My overall vision for the book was, uh, being a part of white Christian communities Mm -hmm. for years Mm -hmm. and working to break down racial stereotypes and, um, racist ideologies among those that claim Christ. And my heart was in conversations with different people, the black America that would come up or that we would be presented wasn't what I'd known. Mm. I've been black my whole life. Right. My dad was there every day, got up and went to work. I grew up with uncles and aunts and cousins and family and just beautiful culture. We grew up you know, part of my family were followers of Christ. The other one were just good people, mm-hmm. and they would go to church on Easter, and they didn't they didn't wear their hats in church, walking by or in the building. That a respect for authority.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So the black America that was being presented and believed by a large part of white evangelicalism wasn't what my own experience in this skin had been. So a big part of the book was me presenting. <laughs> my family of origin, me presenting the the culture that I love, the people that I love, our stories mm-hmm. um, and the reality of that. You know, we have wives, we have husbands, we have children, you know, we serve God. We, all the different facets of the experience of being black in America. But then on top of that, how their responses impacted me, how um, as different men, were being killed unarmed. Mm -hmm. I'm married to a black man. I raised two black sons. I have black men who I love and adore. And I wasn't able to separate in my own heart those murders from the people that I love. And so I grieved every single one like I knew them. Mm -hmm. And the lack of empathy from my white brothers and sisters in Christ was devastating. Mm -hmm. So a big portion of this book came out of that and it was just a zeroing in on what the focus was going to be. And once I zeroed in, then it was just the sifting through the mountains of things I'd written and finding that cohesiveness that we have here.
0: Great, great. So this is this is awesome because it brings me to uh, a certain point poem or i don't believe this is a poem it's a, a, a segue yes you, you, you saw what i was yeah. turning to yep. okay so um, i'm gonna have brother reggie read this uh writing here uh it's called Segway. What? the colorblind come on brother what come on you graduated come, <laughs> come on now reggie <laughs> <laughs> i have you uh i don't be reading read no this books little books. excerpt
1: <laughs> <laughs> give, <laughs> give, give our audience some <laughs> insight into this book yeah, burdens yeah.
0: we bear yes yeah, so um the, the uh, passage that's being read is Segway the colorblind science oh and, uh, you know if we could uh, get that excerpt read by brother science. Reggie and then get your perspective on how that came about because that that addresses exactly what you highlighted regarding the the mountainous process why are you doing this to me <laughs> all right <laughs>
3: That's <laughs> that's read, this church. Um what, what page is that, Richard?
0: Thirty two.
2: Page
0: thirty two. Page thirty two, uh those of us watching live that might have the book. Um see all my jewels went to zero. Oh no. <laughs> it's still taping. We still taping?
1: Yeah, let's we, yeah, let's uh let's Reggie.
0: Do, it. Reggie. I, I do it. I do I do it
1: for the ratings.
3: Okay. <laughs> do it <on> the All right. I am wondering what would happen if the church actually spoke up and out about the sin of racism, about the idiosyncrasies that never ceased against the descendants of slavery and immigrants, about the lack of justice in our criminal justice system. I'm wondering if those who fill our buildings on Sunday morning would say that they don't see color or taught the truth that not only do we see color, but God created melanin, (laughs) <laughs> and it is a beautiful thing, and that, uh, that, and that, then to tell the truth, in their private communities and Bible studies, where uh, whenever the lies that echo a culture gravely influenced by evolutionary thought are shared, I wonder what would happen.
0: Yeah. <sighs> and so, so could you give us? Um, i i guess the the, the background uh, you kind of touched on it a little mm-hmm. bit um for your experience of being in diverse uh church experiences mm-hmm. and i'm i'm sure many of those experiences were also thank you Reggie were also personal mm-hmm. uh and not just uh within the church how did that come about i know uh within the colorblind silence uh passage that brother uh don't blink red um you know, was talking about wonder what the church, you know, would accept and address this racism. Uh, But were you specifically talking to the church or just everyone in general um, that does not recognize um, the fallacy or the falseness of racism and the the damage that is done to it? Um, Or were you just speaking to uh, those within the church that don't recognize color or, or even celebrate it?
2: I think, um, it's probably multifaceted. What I was dealing with, uh, when I wrote this was a prevailing mindset in the body of Christ, particularly among, um, our more fair, complected brothers and sisters, the colorblind ideology is rampant in the church, in the media. And, you know, I don't see color. I don't see race. I just treat everyone the same. Well, that's a lie at its foundation and as long as we keep adding a lie on top of a lie we'll never get to the root of it we'll never be able to deal with it uh race ideology in and of itself is faulty because it teaches that there's multiple races there are not that's something that was man-made it's a division that was Mm man-made and so my perspective even in dealing with um colorblind, the colorblind silence, I'm also going to go ahead and read the poem that came before that, if you don't mind. It gives more context. It's called The Colorblind Lie. Mm. If I ask you about the color of grass, you would obviously say green. If I ask you what color is that rose, you say which one so many I have seen. Similarly, I could ask the color of the curtains in your home that hang over your kitchen sink. You would not say that you have never noticed. You would say the color, whether purple or pink. Due to your responses, I am certain that you do in fact see color, whether in an abstract painting or simply a tree. It would also appear that you only fail to see it when needing to show compassionate responses for people who look like me. Wow. Powerful. And so that pretty much targets... The lie, we're not colorblind. There is a medical condition of colorblindness. We don't have it. So when I look at you, I can see you're a shade of brown. Mm -hmm. When I look at the chairs or the pews, I can see they're blue. The, The carpet is beige, tan. We see color. But when it comes to people and when it comes to dealing with racism in America, we've created these ideologies that... Give people permission to continue the same way of thinking, the same dangerous mindset and behaviors and say that because they don't see color, I can't be racist. Well, everything that you're saying, everything that you're doing is racist. Well, that's impossible because I don't see color. You're a liar. Right. Is what it boils down to. Because if I ask you what color my shoes are, you're going to tell me. Yes. So you don't see color when it comes to major issues that we need to repent of, major issues that we need to deal with. So the colorblind mindset was something I ran into over and over in quote unquote Christian circles. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek because I'm a follower of Christ. So... And as a mom or a wife or a child of God, we know that we tend to be hardest on the ones closest to us. Sure. You know, and then when we go outside, you know, we can be cool, calm and collected. But you guys know growing up, your mother would give you that look when you cut up in public. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't going to jack you up in public. But that look said when you get home, it's <laughs> on. on. You That's already right. knew you That's were praying right. she would forget. Well, it. America has prayed that we would forget. mm
3: That's good.
2: And part Mm -hmm. of that is the denial. If we deny it long enough, then we'll just forget it ever happened. But the problem is you're denying what you consider a past event, but you're still perpetrating it in the present. That's Mm -hmm. correct. So even if I forgot the past, what do I do with the offense that just happened? Mm. And so colorblind, it's created a cushion for many in the in the body uh, to excuse or deny racism. So no matter how much we decry it, how much we are in anguish over it, it's a pass. Well, that can't be true because I'm colorblind. Right. No, you're a liar and we need to repent of that. Mm -hmm. But before you can repent, you first got to be aware.
1: That's true. That's part of the burden, isn't it? Yeah. That, um, you know, our nation has gotten to the point where we're saying, well, you know, we don't need to see color. We just need to see people. But when when that's the mindset, what what you're doing is you're, 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 what we're, what's happening is uh, we're indoctrinating people to not appreciate those who are of darker skin tone. Mm -hmm. You know, we just, hey, and we know who the majority population is, fair skinned people. Mm -hmm. But to say I don't see color, I mean, you're not valuing who I am. I'm a brown skinned man. You know, some are... You know, dark Darker. to to light brown, but again, and God made us that way. Mm-hmm. He made us that way for a reason. For us to, for for all who see us, and we see people who are of fair skin tone. We appreciate and we celebrate how it. we yes. ce- we celebrate it. But we, if you don't see it, we celebrate and appreciate. If you don't just miss it, how God has made us.
2: You also don't celebrate it. You and know, and it and celebrates. that
1: goes into, like you said, trying to erase the past, mm-hmm. uh, or trying to act act like. You know, we try and, you know, we're trying to get away from the past, but the past is still showing itself in the present. And unfortunately, when, when, we, when we go to that colorblind perspective, we're also devaluing,
2: absolutely
1: devaluing brown skin people and, you know, what we've contributed to this country. Yeah. In spite of all that's been done to us and, and, so- s- and continues to be done.
2: And so we have things like the movie Hidden Figures that was out recently. Mm -hmm. We have a plethora of hidden figures that in an effort to convince the world that we no longer see color, um, we also don't attribute any value based on that. Oh, well, that wasn't black people that did that. It was NASA. We work as a team.
0: Mm, Right.
2: So it allows you to steal You know, arbitrarily, the successes of others when it's convenient for you. So on this hand, you don't see color unless we're reporting about Chicago, unless it's on Fox Mm -hmm. News. But when it comes to our successes. Good point. We're colorblind. Oh, we're Mm -hmm. all going to take credit for this. No, that was mine. Chuck Berry. I did that. (laughs) Yeah. But the hidden figures of, of our history When we say that we're colorblind, it is very Mm far-reaching. It denies the successes of and the positive advancements of, but it turns back on when we're gonna point out the negative. Yes, and
0: and for those that are just tuning in, uh, whether you're just entering the room in uh, one of our syndicated areas uh, through our distribution network or you're watching live, we are talking about the book Burdens We Bear, poems and writings about my experiences as a woman of color written by Selena Horton White, uh, very renowned um, author and poet within the city of Akron. And I, I should also say across the country, um, you know, she may not be celebrated in the media, but she is celebrated in many hearts across the country. That's right. And um, we're talking about this uh, body of work because it's powerful and it's a discussion that needs to be held not only in the AA homes as it's, as we're classified by the government of America, but it needs to be discussed in every home That's right, of right, America, just right. as much as any other book. Um, and you know, in conjunction with the Bible as well, uh, might I add. So, um, if we could get you to read your favorite passage, uh, I know. I I didn't know if you. Hmm. there's like probably ten of them. Favorites.
1: You know, uh, out of the a uh, hundred and hundred or so, can you narrow that down to one?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can I narrow it down to two? Yeah, maybe certainly. Two?
0: Let's do um, it. Joe Stage. This
2: is in no way conclusive. Um, there's a hundred and fifty-three pages in here. Um, there's probably an additional 300 that were edited from here mm-hmm. um, that was probably the most painful process was figuring out what would you know what would work uh, what what flow together so i have one hand i'm so, going so to try uh, to. what i'm hearing is that there's yes. more poems. there's that more make it and to you know book? what yes, there's this. a lot more but there's also a lot more writing Wow. A lot more writing. Separating the poetry was easy for me. Um, choosing to do a book of poetry. I've written poems I write in my sleep, literally.
3: Would you come back and talk
0: about just how to become an author? You, Absolutely. That's, you know that's Absolutely. We have a lot of people in my, in my circle, I know mm-hmm. you do as well, that um, are interested and have a passion for being an author mm-hmm. and... I know this personally, uh, if I could let the cat out the bag, you've mm-hmm. been struggling to put this out for some while. Yeah. For for, <laughs> for a long while. Yeah. And the Lord kind of uh, kind did make a way for you to do so. Yes. Uh, so we would definitely love to have you back and to give you know advice to people on how to, to get to that point. Okay. But without further ado to our current listeners and those of you listening at home, uh, we're going to hear the most favorite two. I, know, I think yeah. she's still narrowing it down. I am.
2: This is a definite. <laughs> this one was, it was in a fight for the opening poem in the book. There was a fight for that. So okay. this one, um, it made it to the number two spot.
0: Amen. But wow.
2: it's called We Are Not Inferior. Sometimes my heart can't take it, and I must walk away. For my own soul's salvation, I must find a quiet place. As I turn, I am reminded of the grief-stricken who have no choice, but to face the darkness left behind by loved ones who no longer have a voice, their light and laughter silenced by hatred, by those taught they are superior. As time goes by, their blood still cries. We are not inferior. Sometimes my mind can't take it and I must turn the page. To look at life during other times, look at history during another age. Mm. But sadly, I find the same stories, inscribed by hatred and anger, murder and pain. As I search for relief, I continue to see burned and mutilated black bodies swinging in the rain. Their light and life silenced by ignorance, by those taught they were superior. As time has gone by, their blood continues to cry from the grave. We are not inferior.
1: That is powerful. It's exactly. <laughs> something that uh, that we need to to constantly um, tell people, you know, tell ourselves. That needs to be uh, spoken of within the African-American communities, but also, re- you know, that's something that needs to be addressed even within the body of Christ, mm-hmm. whether you're from the lightest of skin tone yeah. to the darkest of skin, and brown and skin and tone. Brown-skinned people are it's not my turn to talk. inferior. Okay. <laughs>
3: it's my turn there it is no i just wanted to say that it's just sad because as you said that does i have gospel albums that has colorblind on it Mm -hmm. and so it's just like it's like okay so you know we're saying we don't see color it's like but god made us one so how can we you want to walk in that type of you know that level of revelation, understanding that mm-hmm. there is no color, but at the same time we have songs in, mm-hmm. in, in the name of being
1: colorblind.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow! You know, and it's just like okay, that's. We'll definitely well that we
0: have to cross that, but I believe that's a ex- existential um, perpetuation mm-hmm. of the great deception yes. of you know the systematic racism that's been ingrained in not yes, only sir. America but in Lobby. within our culture. Yeah. Um, even you know, in the church, especially in the church, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> right. and, in and, and, uh, I, God loves color. Cause if we, he did Amen. not love color, we would not have color. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's not just represented, uh, with, uh, with amongst the human race, but in amongst the world that we see when you mm-hmm. walk inside a building, such as this church that we're in, or when you walk outside. Mm-hmm. You know, from the trees, the changing of seasons, you see the representation of color, and that's represented across the people, yeah. and, and that's you know, in some it's like there's red, yeah, there's red people, <laughs> you know, in certain cultures, there's right. people of different tones, yeah. right. you know, tone. and the right. Lord God in His infinite wisdom created all of, it created all it. of that, yes. you know, so God is not colorblind, Mm-mm. God sees Mm-mm. the one human race, and He will love us all, mm-hmm. those that love Him and he will reject those, those that do not love him. But he will accept the human race, you know? So that's, I, I definitely, that rungs true with me. Color is not inferior. Whether you're the lightest of a tone that's or right. the darkest of a tone, that's we right. are not inferior, especially. And it, was,
2: it was something that came out of um, the history of lynchings mm. in the United States and the overall mantra in a colorblind society, when I hear we're colorblind, there's so much that that tells me we we claim we don't see. So, if you're colorblind, what I've learned dealing with um, evangelical, just white Christian culture, when we say that we're colorblind, it gives us permission to ignore history as it pertains to. Mm grievances of people of color because i don't see color so as a person of color whatever issues you're having whatever your gripes are oh you're just complaining you're just they're just whiners they're just they're making it up they have this and they have that but you're you're able to ignore because of color blindness you're able to ignore the over 4,000 black men women and children that were lynched because those were black bodies hanging
1: because of the color. Of because of
2: the color. And they were overwhelmingly business owners. That's mm-hmm. another podcast. But mm-hmm. you, when you when we say that we're colorblind, it means not just that we can ignore or be ignorant to black success, but we can also be ignorant to black pain.
0: Um, if we could get that next passage, that next okay. uh, powerful passage, please.
2: The next one is actually a segue. And... I'll end here. And this is a little um, long, actually. I'm sorry, guys. (coughs) Oh, it's fine. I should have put, um, sweetie, you know the one I'm looking for? The one that I read? Okay, I got it. And this one is called Stony Hearts or Critically Thinking. Let us challenge what has always been. Let us challenge what we have always seen. Let us challenge our views of who's dirty and who's clean. Let's begin to question why things are this way. Why sensitivities are so high on issues you have been taught to view as gray. Why the murder of black people rate as high as just another day to you. Let's raise our voices and stand together like we really truly love each other or at least like one another. Or have heard of each other, or something like that. We sit in our churches on a Sunday morning. We post scriptures on Facebook daily. Hmm. But we neglect to inspire, comfort, or show compassion when the newscaster reports that someone else was killed for what amounted to no more than, well, for being black. Uh. Why is it this way? Why are my vibrantly cute explosions of pain, your heart failing to sway? Why do my tears in your world not repeatedly play? Why do the recordings of my murder you easily erase? Why can we sit in church together, but you never actually see my face? Mm. Let us challenge all of it. Blow it up and start all over again. Tell the truth and turn our hate-filled hearts from the sin of lying and saying that we don't see color when we all know just by looking that we don't have the same mother. Let's begin to call things out until people say that this is all we talk about. But we don't care. We just want to be healed. And as a church, no longer let skin color dictate how we feel in private, at home, where they can't see or hear us. Many who hold those same mindsets now occupy pulpits and government seats Mm. to ensure that the future of people of color in this country remains bleak. We know that many of those sheet wearers were your ancestors. They passed down hatred and ignorance like illegitimate DNA flowing through veins. They took your fathers and mothers to watch black people burn and hang. They felt nothing at the grief of those left behind in their wake. They felt no shame. But you say that was them, not me, then, not now. But white sheets are now replaced by all white schools and neighborhoods Mm. because white people represent the ultimate good. You have no problem with the black people, but for certain freedoms you wish we had never stood. Judges and laws that descended from Jim Crow, but somehow you keep saying that you did not know. For years, claiming that you can't see how bad things are, you are simply unable to smell the infected, oozing scar of violence and racism against black people. The same ones Massa taught to go to the white buildings with the steeple. Mm. It seems to you like we are keeping score. This conversation makes you deeply uncomfortable. So this one you would rather ignore as you stand next to me in church and sing how much we adore the Lord. It's way past time we talk about this. If we ever want to see this divide removed from the church, this race thing must be faced head on. He made all of us on this we agree. Therefore, all claims of color blindness should be an offense to both you and me. We give you grace as we always have. Taught to value your opinion above that of any brown woman or man. We serve this country and we grieve. While our children die, while we cry. While generations of our pain and grief you deny. What must be said or done to open your eyes, to open your heart so that from those eyes you cry? Why can't you feel anything when we grieve? When where I live, sneakers hang again from the telephone pole by Shoestrings. Wow,
0: powerful. That's
2: another one. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so um, that is just a short, 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 short excerpts from the very powerful book, those is watching live, Burdens We Bear, Experiences, Poems and Writings About My Experiences as a Woman of Color, a powerful book written by Selena Horton White, uh, we love her. We thank her for joining us on Future Focus Podcast. Mm. Um, <laughs> ha ha ha. There we will definitely Collins. be having her back. This is Crown One signing out. Hey, this your boy Ukali White. It's your boy Don't Plague It's a Pleasure.
2: All right, this is Selena. See you later.
0: Be sure to contact us if you are wanting to purchase the book. Hit us up on Cave Music Records and we will get you in touch with Selena White, the author of Burdens We Bare. Bear.